Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, future paleontologists. How's everybody doing? I'm Dinosaur George. Welcome to the podcast. This is a special edition podcast where I'm going to answer some of the most common questions I get about how to become a paleontologist. I won't do any questions and answers in this particular podcast. I won't do any interviews or who would wins. This is just going to be a podcast that I will sort of explain kind of how to become a paleontologist. Before I do that, I wanted to mention a couple of things. One is uh, if you live in or around the San Antonio, Texas area, this coming weekend which is um, October, I think it's October 1st and 2nd. Let me take a look. I have to open my calendar to see because I have no idea what day of the week it is. Okay, I know what day of the week it is. It's Tuesday. I knew that part. But what I meant was, I don't know what day of the week it is. So, wait, I thought I just said I knew. I guess I don't. Anyway, um, so yes, this will be... October 1st and uh, that's Saturday, October 1st and Sunday, October 2nd, we are doing a half price sale on our clearance items uh, at my store in, um, in San Antonio. I have a store and a museum out at Traders Village in San Antonio, Texas. You can go to my website, dinosaurgeorge.com and click on the visit our museum page, I think is how it's titled. It gives you directions and all the information. But this coming weekend, we are taking a lot of items because we're making room for new stuff that's arriving and we're putting things at half price. So there's some really good deals. It will include some toys, uh, rocks, minerals, fossils, um, collectible things. So it's going to be a lot. So anyway, if you are in or around the San Antonio area and you are free this weekend, Stop by, and I'm sure you'll find some stuff that you like. couple of shout-outs I need to do, speaking of the store. I uh, got the opportunity to meet young Mr. Liam, who was with his mom and dad out at Traders. Now, for his birthday, his family was nice enough to bring him out to Traders. That's one of the things he wanted to do. So, Liam, happy birthday to you, my friend. And oh, by the way, Liam, Liam. Aren't you the kid that asked if I was El Stinko? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think you did. Well, let me just say this, Liam, so that every, no one knows the identity of El Stinko. Smarter than Superman. Faster than the Flash. Stronger than Aquaman. And smells like a fish. No one knows the identity of El Stinko, so don't call me El Stinko. What kind of a kid are you? Happy birthday to you, Liam. It was such a pleasure meeting your mom and dad 
And thank you, Mom and Dad, for bringing Liam out there to visit me. It was nice to see. And then also, I met Leith, who was in uh, Casterville on my traveling museum. We had stopped at Casterville. I think it's Leith. Yes, it's Leith. I'm sorry. It's it's pronounced Leith. What, what a great name, by the way. What an amazing name. I got an opportunity to meet Leith. Leith and uh, I, think, I think it was your, your mom. I'm sure that was your mom who was with you. But it was so nice to meet you, and I understand you listen to the podcast, so thank you so very much for doing that. I absolutely uh, enjoyed meeting you, and I met, I enjoyed meeting you and so many other people out there. So thank you all for, for stopping by and saying hello, and thank you for stopping by the store uh, to see me there as well. Okay, so let me, let me read a message that we received on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. This came from Gracie Rex's mom or dad or both. It says, Gracie Rex and I are going to be focusing on careers in October. Good for you. We'll be visiting a lot of professionals, but her favorite subject is dinosaurs, and she's been interested in paleontology. So they were wondering, especially with so many aspiring paleontologists on here, if I could do a podcast about my job and some highlights, it would be awesome. Well, that then prompted me, and thank you very much, Gracie Rex's parents, for posting that. That uh, prompted me to want to do this special edition podcast and answer some of the questions. So let me start with talking about my career, what I do, how I got involved in paleontology. Paleontology is a very large science. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of different jobs in paleontology. A lot of times when we watch TV, we always see paleontologists who are digging up dinosaurs. And that's great. And I love dinosaur hunting. That's awesome. But there's a lot more to paleontology. So I'm going to go into that a little bit further into this podcast. But first, let me explain my career so that you understand how I got here. I did not go to college to get a degree in paleontology. When I was really young, when I was in, I want to say maybe a freshman or a, or a sophomore in high school, I was talking to our school counselor, the person. Now, our counselors were people that help us find jobs. That's what counselors did in our days. I understand today there may be a difference. Counselors today also work with you about feelings and emotion and, and that sort of stuff. But our counselors, when I was in school, they were there to help counsel us for a career. So you also have to remember when I was young, we only had four TV stations. There was no internet. So everything I learned about paleontology, I learned from reading books but the books didn't go into detail about the people. It just showed people digging up bones. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a paleontologist, even though I really didn't know what paleontologists did. Because I only saw them once in a while on TV, but mostly reading books and, and getting books like National Geographic and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. I went to our counselor and I said, I want to be a paleontologist. And she didn't know what a paleontologist was. I grew up in a small, a small country town where most of what everybody did was farming and ranching. That's really the focus of the community. So she didn't know what a paleontologist was. Now, I was so embarrassed that I had asked 
because I felt like it was a dumb question. I should have never said that, that it made me think, well, maybe there's no such thing as a paleontologist. Maybe paleontologists are just people who on the weekends go dig up bones. And I was so devastated. I, I was so sad because all my childhood, I wanted to dig up dinosaurs. And now I discover that there's not a job. Now, in my counselor's defense, she told me the best information she had. She even went through her desk and went through all the pamphlets that she had about different careers, and there was nothing there. Paleontology was a rather rare science when I was young. Not like today. Today, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of paleontologists and paleontologists from all over the world and women and men and, and everybody can be a paleontologist. But that's not like what it was when I was young. When I was young, it was mostly only men that you that you ever read about. There was lots of women in paleontology, but you never read about very many of them. And so to her defense, she didn't say something intending to hurt my feelings, but that's what happened. So because of that, I was so upset that I decided if there wasn't a college for paleontology, I was just going to go to work and I would figure out in my head what I wanted to do later. So I did not go to college. Instead, I started working in retail. Retail is basically where people sell things, right? If you go into a hardware store, the people there, they work in retail. If you go to buy a book in a bookstore, that's called retail. And so I did that. Now, I never lost my love of dinosaurs. And as I started getting older and learning more, I realized, hey, there really is paleontology and there are colleges I can go to and I can become a paleontologist. But by the time that happened, I had advanced so far in the retail career, I had started to make a lot of money. So then I thought, well, I don't want to, I don't want to give all that up to be a paleontologist. So I continued to work. I continued to be promoted every company I worked for. I got sent to really high positions. I was making a lot of money. I used to wear a suit and tie almost six days a week. I had stores all over the United States that I oversaw. I had thousands of people that worked under me. That's what I did. But I never stopped loving paleontology. So I started buying college textbooks on paleontology, and I started studying each book. I read every book I could get. I watched every show I could see. Then I started digging up bones on the weekends when I had, if I took a vacation, during my vacation, I would travel and I would dig in places like South Dakota and Wyoming and Utah, Colorado, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, of course, Texas, California. I was digging up uh, fossilized mammals in Houston and in Missouri and places like that. But I did all that around my other job. And then one day I had some people stop at my home and knocked on my door and asked me if I could give them help starting their car. Their car had stopped running that just happened to be in front of my house. So when I opened the door, here was this uh, man and his wife and his wife, she happened to be a science teacher and she looked in my house and saw all of these bones. I used to have a T-Rex skull in my house. 
and she couldn't believe it. And she started telling me that she taught at a school that was an inner city school. They didn't have a lot of money. The kids there didn't get a chance to see very many things. And she asked if I would come talk to them. Now that took me immediately back to when I was in school. And I thought, wow, can what would have happened if somebody like that came to my school and told me about paleontology? What would my life have been? So I thought, you know what? Yes, I would love to do that. So I did. I went and I took a bunch of bones and I talked to these students and I loved it. I loved it. And that's when I decided that that's the job I wanted. So I quit my job and I opened up a store, a store where I sold fossils and toys and books and T-shirts and videos and rocks and minerals and science experiments. It looks almost exactly like the store I have now at Trader's Village. And that's what got me started. From there, people started hiring me a lot to come talk about dinosaurs because I knew a lot about the subject and I was very passionate and I was fun. Kids liked to listen to me speak because I was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't boring. I didn't just go in and talk, you know, monotone. This is a bone from a T-Rex. This is a tooth from a triceratops. That's not what I did. I'd be like, oh, check out this bone, baby. So, so my career took off. I started being hired. I, I, I started, uh, people started hiring me all over the United States. I was flying into places, speaking at schools. I got hired to go into Canada four or five times there. Um, that's what I started doing. And I traveled all over the United States. I spoke in New York. I spoke in New Jersey. I spoke in uh, Florida. So I got involved in dinosaurs that way, but that's not the way you should do it. If you want to do paleontology, if you want paleontology to be your career, let's talk about that. So that's my career. Now, over time, I worked very, very hard. I worked incredibly hard. I worked every single day of the week, probably for 12 or 13 years. I rarely took any days off because I was trying to get my business. See, because I didn't go to college to become a paleontologist, there weren't jobs. There weren't as many jobs available for me. I had a lot of museums that would hire me to come in and speak, but the museums wouldn't hire me to be their paleontologist because in a museum setting, a degree is very important. So. I even spoke to college students. I would have colleges bring me in to speak to the students who were going to school for paleontology to explain some of the new discoveries and some of the new technologies. But all of this stuff I learned on my own, not in school. But again, I could never have become a professor for them because I didn't have a educational background in paleontology. Listen, I could, I could speak to college students. I could speak to paleontologists all over the world. I do. And, and there's a lot of things that I know as much as they do about things. Now, there's a lot of things they're specialists in that they know more. But uh, because of my personality and because of my excitement and love of paleontology, not only was I able to start my own business, but then ultimately I was hired to create a television show for the History Channel called Jurassic Fight Club. I wrote the series and I hosted it and I interviewed everybody and did all the background studies. And it was great. I love that. But I didn't like TV as much as I liked being in person. So anyway, my career worked out, but yours, you there's easier ways to do it and there's better ways to do it. 
So first, before I talk about the jobs in paleontology, let me answer what are the top questions I get. And the number one question I get is, are there going to be any fossils left for me to dig up when I'm a grown-up? I get this from kids, of course. Young people say, are there going to be any bones left? Well, there's five answers to that. Yes, 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 and definitely yes. Those are the five answers. The five answers are, let me say that again, yes, 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 and definitely yes. There are so many fossils in the world. There will be fossils a thousand years from now. So if any of you plan on becoming older than a thousand years, yes, even you will still be able to find fossils. And by the way, kids, you can look at your dad right now and go, Dad, how close are you to being a thousand years old? Because you look really old. And I'm wondering uh, if you're a thousand. And then let's go back to the subject. So now that you've embarrassed your dad by telling him he looks like he's a thousand years old, let's continue. Now, you don't do that with mom. You look at mom and go, Mother, have I told you lately how lovely you look today? See, that's how you talk to a mom. But a dad, you can be like, uh, hey, pops. How come you look like you're a thousand years old? Yeah, dads really like that part. (laughs) Okay, so yes, there will be bones that you will be able to find no matter what age you are. If you become a paleontologist, there's more things out there than you'll ever find. They will never find all the fossils in the world. There might be billions, trillions of fossils in the world. Yeah, I would say more than trillions. So you will have plenty of fossils to dig up when you grow up, if you happen to be very young. If you're old, of course there's fossils today. We can go out and find them. So that's probably the number one question I get. The second question is, well, how can I find fossils? Well, you have to understand that fossils can be found in places where the layer of dirt that you're standing on is the age of certain animals. For instance, If you live in South Dakota, the chances are you could be standing on the layer of dirt where dinosaurs used to stand, where they died, and their bones are there. You can see them. They're sticking out of the dirt. If you live in a place like I do in San Antonio, Texas, here, I can go outside and I can find fossilized seashells. Why? Because the layer of dirt that I stand on happened to be from the age that Texas was under the ocean. So I find seashells and crabs and shark teeth and fish bones. If I wanted to go to Missouri, I could stand in a place and find woolly mammoths. Why? Because the layer of dirt that exists in some of those places are that age. So to find fossils, you have to know what age the dirt is. And there is a book out there called The Roadside Guide to Geology. And they usually write one for every state in the United States. That book will tell you where you can go to find fossils yourself. And if you don't have that book, then the next thing to do is go online and find out if there is a fossil club or a fossil and rock club in your area. They are a great resource for telling you where to go. So will you find fossils? There's plenty of them out there. Here's the other reason why I told you you'll continue to find bones forever. How come somebody doesn't go pick them all up? Well, it's because there can be a bone still buried 
one inch underground and you have no idea the bones there. You can't see it. You don't know what's there. The way paleontologists dig, we, they do not go with a shovel and just start digging a hole. They can, but they may never find anything. Instead, they walk around and look at the ground and try to see a bone sticking out of the ground or a fossil. And then they begin to dig around it to see if there's more. Well, if there's a bone one inch underground and you walk over the top of it, you don't know what's there. But the next time it rains or if the wind is blowing, those things create erosion. Erosion is where dirt and dust, uh, dirt can be moved because of water or wind or other things. So let me give you an example. There was a place in South Dakota that I went to three years in a row. I walked on the exact same path, the exact same direction, and all three times I saw something different that I didn't see the two times before. Where I just walked along and, hey, there's a bone. That wasn't there last year. Oh, yeah, the bone was there last year. It was just buried. Now the wind and the water have uncovered it. So you see what I mean about why there's so many bones and you'll have plenty of time to find them all because there are billions of them out there. So that is probably the two biggest questions I get. And then the third and the subject of this podcast is how do I become a paleontologist? Let me give you some advice. The first piece of advice is the most important. You have a better opportunity, a better chance of getting into the world of paleontology if you go to college. You don't have to go. But I don't want you to look at me and think, well, if, if Dinosaur George didn't go, I don't have to. You have to remember that for me, it was super hard work. It was luck. It was also my personality. Those things helped me. So you don't want to rely just on that. You want a better education. So here's my advice to becoming a paleontologist. Number one, when you get to high school, if you are in elementary or middle school, don't panic. You have all the time to get prepared for this. When you go to high school, there are three subjects you really want to make sure you focus on. Biology, math, and science. Biology is the study of how animals are put together. You have to know how an animal is put together. If you're going to go dig one up, you have to know what you're looking at. You have to figure out how the bones go together. That's biology. Math, I can't say this enough. Math is very important. Side note, I struggle with math. I'm not good in math. It's a very hard subject for me. I'm not good in math. If you are not if you don't do well in math, it's okay. You'll just continue to get better. You just work a little harder on math. And math, the other thing about math, if you live here in the United States, you want to learn the metric system. Paleontologists use the metric system when they talk about distance and weight. Here in the United States, we say things like 10 feet or two inches, or five pounds. But in other parts of the world, the science community uses the metric system. They talk about meters, kilometers. They talk about kilos. They talk about grams. So it's important for you to know how to translate pounds into 
kilos, that kind of thing. And so that's a very important thing. And again, math was hard for me, but it's important. Now, it is not the upper level. Like, you don't have to worry about uh, some of the higher end math stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just simply saying that you have to understand math and the metric system so you can do calculations like how big is that animal? We use math to estimate that. How long is that animal? We use math to estimate that. Where should I go dig? If I told you go 6.5 kilometers and turn to the right, if you don't know what a kilometer is, you'll never get to where I'm sending you. So study your math and of course, science, all science. It's not just the science of paleontology. Very few, if any, high schools teach a science, a paleontology course. So all science is important because you can understand the process, how science is done. Science, NASA scientists use some of the same scientific methods as paleontologists. Even though they're not studying the same thing, they use the same scientific processes. That's how you do things. So it's important to study science so that you understand all of the things about science. So in high school, take biology, math, and science. Now you're ready to, let's say you're going to college and you're going to get your degree. You have to figure out what kind of paleontology you want to study do you like fish okay so you would want to study fish so then you would look for a college that has either access to places where you'll get to go like for instance wyoming there's great places there where they find lots of fish that would be a good place to find a college because you have more of an opportunity to go to look for fossilized fish if you want to study mammals, Florida and Texas, great locations to find fossilized mammoths. If you want to study sea life, prehistoric sea life, hey, California, Maryland, North Carolina, great places that have access to fossilized sea life. If you only want to study dinosaurs, Montana, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, they are in great areas. Now, you don't have to go to those places. I live in Texas. The University of Texas in Austin has a great dinosaur paleontology um, uh, department. Texas Tech University in Lubbock, really good. But you have to travel to go dig, but you get to go. So you want to figure out what kind of paleontology, because there's a bunch. There are paleontologists that focus on mammals. There are paleontologists that focus on, tr focus on trilobites, on dinosaurs, on uh, terror birds, on mammals, fish, reptiles, pterosaurs. You want to know what place in the world has a paleontology department that's good for that. And if you live in Europe, nothing stops you from going to school in Canada or North America or United States. If you live in Mexico, you have great universities there. You don't have to leave the country, but you can. If you live in the United States, hey, if you want to study Jurassic sea life, go to school in England. So that's the other thing. You're not limited to where you go. So the first step when going to, to pick a college is what do the colleges have to offer? And that's something you and your parents and a counselor can do 
But now's the time to begin to look for that. Mom and dad, if you have a young person in your family who, like, for instance, little Gracie Rex is starting to talk about careers and you have a child who's interested in paleontology, then find out what universities or colleges in the area and what they do and see if they'll take time to talk to your child. Of course it is, um, you know, of course it, it's they're, they're young and you're not making the choice now, but you're simply getting to understand what to help them do when they get to high school. For those of you that are in high school, I have lots of listeners. I have adults. I have a lot of adult listeners. Hey, if you want to get a degree in paleontology, regardless of your age, do the same thing I'm saying. Find out what the area colleges have to offer. Figure out if there's something in particular you like, and then try to find something that caters to your like. Okay? So, well, what kind of jobs are there in paleontology? Let's talk about them. First of all, teachers. Would you like to become an ed- educator? Um, three of the paleontologists who I absolutely look up to immensely, all three of them are college professors. All three of them are college professors. I look up to these men. Uh, they happen to be men, but there's a lot of women professors. There's some great women professors. There's professors from all over the world. I'm only talking about the three that I've met, so I'm not limited to, to these. These are just three people I have to work with, that I've met and have worked with who were guests of mine on my um, TV show. So if you as an adult want to get into paleontology, maybe you just want to take courses. There are tons of them. There's a lot of them. So you can become a teacher. Would you like to be the person that teaches the next generation of paleontologists? How rewarding is that to be there? And you're the one that's teaching them how to be paleontologists. That's a job. There is museum curator. A curator at a museum is the person who is responsible to take care of, to curate the fossils that the museum has. You catalog them. You make sure that everyone knows what you have. You work with other museums, in some cases, maybe sending them something they don't have, or you asking them to send you something. You might have paleontologists who want to come study some of the bones that you have so that they can learn more about them. The museum curator does that. You curate, you protect, you catalog, you uh, take care of all of the fossils. That's a job. That's something you could do. You could also become a paleontologist for the museum, and maybe your job is just to set up uh, uh, how you display things. You decide what goes out. You interact with the public. Maybe you host sessions, lectures. Maybe you do shows for kids. Maybe you do a summer camp. Those are all jobs that a museum curator or a paleo, a uh, a paleontologist for the museum can do so you can work at a museum. If you are in your teens, many museums accept volunteers. You're not paid for it, but it's a great opportunity to gain experience. And it's a great opportunity that might lead to a paid job. If you do a good enough job, the museum may look around and go, hey, this person's really good. He or she really knows a lot. They interact with the public. They're, they're doing great work. That's a great way to get your foot in the door. 
So a museum is a great place. Now, when we think of paleontologists, we always think of the people that are out there digging. Those are the collectors. That is a job. You can make a living digging up fossils. You can dig up bones. You learn how to dig them up because there's a proper way. You learn how to take notes about your discoveries. You make sure that what you do is going to be very helpful to the science community and that ultimately to the public. You can be a collector. It's hard work. It can be dirty work. But if you ever get to uncover the bones of a prehistoric animal, you are removing the dirt from on top and you will be among the first humans in the history of the world to see those fossils. How amazing is that? You are there. You're the one. What if you find a Tyrannosaurus Rex and it gets mounted and it gets put in a museum and millions of people come to see it? That's because of you. So you can be a collector. But here's the thing about remembering about being a collector. Paleontologists dig only when the weather allows them to dig. You can't go digging in South Dakota in the middle of winter. Everything's frozen. The wind is blowing. It's snowing. There's ice. You can't dig in that. So you only get to dig a certain amount of time, and it's usually what are the summer months of your particular country. You, you can't dig year-round unless you're lucky enough to live in a place where it never gets freezing cold. The reason why the cold, it's not just because your body is cold, but when the ground freezes, if you take a chisel and you're hammering to try to break the rock around the fossil, the fossil might shatter like glass because it's frozen too. It's brittle. So if you're going to be a collector... Keep in mind that that might be the uh, that might be something you only do during parts of the year. But collector then leads us to the next possible job. And that's the prepper, the people that prepare the fossils. Some collectors spend the summer months digging and then they spend the rest of the year prepping, cleaning the bones that they dig up. You know, on TV, sometimes you see them take a brush and uncover a whole bone and they pick the bone up and it looks amazing. That's not reality. In most cases, the bones are broken. In most cases, pieces are missing. So there's a lot of work that goes into cleaning them up. Preppers use a variety of different tools. They use uh, like sandblasters, for lack of a better word. That's really not what it is. It's an air abrasion gun. But they use pneumatic tools. They use picks, shovels, hammers. Um, they use all kinds of things as a way to prep the bones. That's usually done in a lab. That takes us back to the museum. Some museums have prep labs in the museum so the public can watch. You could work as a prepper in a prep lab. You could work as a prepper in your own garage. You might have a museum or anyone bring you fossils and ask you to clean them. That's a job. People get paid for that. And if you're really good at prepping, you can make a very good living doing that. I have friends that never go out and dig up anything because they do such a good job of prepping. Collectors from all over the country ship them boxes of bones and ask them to clean them up so that they can then turn around and either sell them to a museum or sell them to the public or maybe put them in a museum. So the job of a prepper, I put it to you like this. If you like putting a puzzle together, then you would be a good fossil prepper. 
If you like a puzzle that has a thousand pieces and they're all mixed up and you've got to sit down and piece it all back together, that's sort of what preppers do. They have to piece everything back together again. So that's a job in paleontology. You can be a prepper. You can be a fossil collector. You can be a prepper. You can be a collector and a prepper. You can be a teacher. And during the summer, you could be a collector. And on the weekends, you could be a prepper. These jobs are all interchangeable to some degree. Then there are the people that mount the bones. And what I mean by that is put them back together and stand them up so that the public can see what it looks like. Those are the people that learn how to weld, how to use machines, how to bend metal. What they are doing is they are basically making a metal skeleton and then they're attaching the bones to where you can't see the metal, but all you see is the animal standing up. When you go to a museum and you look at a dinosaur or a big skeleton, look at it and go, ooh, that's cool. But then I want you to go look close and go, hey, how did they make that stand up? And then you look close and you go, oh, look, I see there's metal right there. That's holding up the leg. And then there's another piece that's connected to the hip and that's connected to the back. And they actually put these things together. That is a job. Fossil preppers can also become the people that mount the bones, the display people. You could get a job displaying fossils. Museums will hire you. They'll say, come in and put this dinosaur together so it looks really nice and make an exhibit. You can be an exhibit builder in paleontology. You may have never gone digging for bones, and yet you might get to work with complete skeletons because you're putting them together to display them. Again, that's connected to museums or the public. In the United States, it is legal to sell fossils to the public if those fossils are collected legally, meaning you didn't sneak onto somebody else's property or you didn't go onto state or federal land. You went onto private property with the, with the uh, consent of the owner. You can dig up bones. You can sell fossils to the public. You could sell dinosaur bones. But here's one of the things that you have to remember about that. There are two different ideas about the public that buys and sells fossils. Some people in the science community feel like those people are bad because they are taking fossils that the science community wants and they're selling them to somebody else. The other side to that is if you don't collect all the fossils that are sitting at the surface, erosion is going to turn them to dust. There won't be anything left after several years. So if they don't collect them, what else happens? They turn back to dust. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good. I know when I was young, the first fossil I bought, I loved, and that really got me excited about paleontology. I personally believe that there's nothing wrong with selling legal fossils and working with the scientific community when something is found. I don't want to get too much into that, but that's just my opinion. So there are ways that you can get into paleontology. You can be a collector. You can be a prepper. You can be the mounter. You can be the displayer. And you don't even have to be associated with the museum or a university. You could have your own company. I made my own company. You can do the same. Then there are the replicators. That is, those are the people that take fossils and make replicas of them. When you go into a museum, almost every skeleton you see in a museum is a replica. Rarely 
do they put the real bones out in front of the public? For a couple of reasons. One, it's hard to find a complete skeleton. Two, fossils weigh a lot and they have to be, uh, you have to mount them so that they're all completely supported, which sometimes means you'll see more metal than, than bone. But three, the science community wants those pieces to be curated in a museum or a school where other scientists can come study them. Imagine if somebody from China came to the United States and they wanted to study fossilized ground sloths. Well, imagine if every ground sloth in the United States was standing up in a museum. That person would have to take a high lift ladder or a high lift jack and raise them up so they could look at the bones. It's a lot easier if they can go back into the collections room and open up a drawer and hold the bone and look at the bone and measure it and take pictures of it. So almost all fossils in museums are replicas, my museum included. So there are people who make molds of bones. They make a copy of the bone and then they make copies to sell. They actually sell them. I sell replicas in my store. If you walked into my store right now, you would see the skull of a saber-toothed tiger. I think it's $400. It's expensive, but it's a replica. But if that were the real Smilodon skull, you would probably pay forty dollars to $60,000 for that. So if you make a copy, the science community still has the real ones to study, and yet the public can own uh, replicas or museums can display them. So that's another possibility of being a job. But again, let me say this again. You can be the collector who finds a dinosaur. You can take it home and prep it. You can make a mold of it. You can sell those molds. You can put those molds back together into the shape of the original animal. There are a lot of jobs within paleontology that maybe you don't think about. When you think of paleontologists, you almost always think you're going to be out digging in the hot sun. And that's great if that's what you want to do, but that's not true. There's tons of other jobs. Let's say that you are uh, in a wheelchair. Maybe you don't have the ability to, to get out of your wheelchair. Let's say you're in a wheelchair. Okay. Prepper. Preppers sit down when they work. You could be a prepper. You could easily be the person that's sitting there cleaning the bones. Think of that. How cool it would be to clean them. You could be a teacher. You could be a museum curator. You could be a mold maker. Let's say that you are seeing impaired, that, that you're unable to see clearly, or maybe you can't see at all. You can still be a teacher. You know the subject. You can talk. You can be a teacher. You know what else you could do? You could also help with prepping by feeling the individual bones to help somebody who's cleaning them to tell them, this is this part that I'm touching. That's the bone part. You could tell by feel. If you are unable to hear, listen, being a prepper, it's noisy. All those machines, you don't have to listen to your machine. You can feel your machine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter which language you speak. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're short, if you're skinny, if you're heavy, if you... Uh, have uh, if you're unable to see, if you're unable to hear, if you're unable to walk, that doesn't matter. It just 
doesn't matter. Say it with me. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You can be a paleontologist. And here is the last. And and let me say this as well. I have a lot of young people that come to me who are autistic. That doesn't matter either. It doesn't make any difference. Don't feel like you're going to be left out. You find the thing that fits you. And then you follow that dream. That's what you do. And finally, here's the last job I can think of with paleontology. And I'm sure there's more than I've mentioned. And that is a paleo artist. If you like to draw, if you become really good at drawing, here's what you can do. When scientists dig up bones out in the field, they need to have accurate and detailed notes. Yes, they take pictures, but it also helps a bunch to have an artist come out who can sketch in 3D the formation of where the bones are so scientists can figure out why do the bones end up like that? How can they look? Why do they why are all the bones pointing this way? Why are some of the bones scattered? Also, an illustrator. If you go to a museum, you ever gone into a museum and you see these cool fossils and then you realize the wall behind that has some magnificent artwork of a prehistoric world? Who did that? An artist. An artist who studies paleontology, a paleo artist. Somebody that learns, well, what kind of trees lived back then? Because those are the trees I'm going to paint in my picture. What kind of plants were there? Uh, What other animals were there? I'm not just going to draw a picture of a T-Rex standing by himself. What else do I want? I want birds. I want the right kind of trees. Artists drew that. Artists do that. And then look at the books. When you open up a page of a book and you see a cool dinosaur, your first thought is, oh, that dinosaur is cool. But have you ever stopped and thought, I wonder who drew that? I wonder if they got paid to draw that. Can I get paid to draw dinosaurs? The answer is yes, you can. My young friends, there are so many great jobs in paleontology. All you have to do is find the one that fits you. Remember, the right way to do it is to try to go to college to get a degree. That will help you a lot. But it's not If you don't go to college, that doesn't mean you can't get into paleontology. There are thousands of people I know who do not have degrees in paleontology who are involved in paleontology because they love it. You can be the person to study the bones. You can draw pictures of them. You can dig them up. You can clean them. You can mount them. You can make replicas. You can teach about them. You can work at a museum. You can do anything. And that, my young friends, is the subject of this podcast. There's nothing you can't do. The one thing I don't want you to do is convince yourself you can't do it because that is a tragedy. That is an absolute tragedy. If you convince yourself that you can't do it, well, then you're probably not going to do it. Don't let your brain trick you You are in charge of who you are. You can decide if you're going to make a good choice or a bad choice. You can decide how hard you're going to work or how little you're going to work. You're going to decide who you're going to be. It's not other people that decide that. It's you. Sometimes we go through difficult things, but we can still control 
who we are. And who I want you to be is somebody who's kind and somebody who's nice. Look for a young person that doesn't seem to have friends and ask them if they like dinosaurs. Maybe they don't, and that's okay. Make a new friend. Be kind to your parents. Tell your parents you love them. Tell your family you love them. Yes, your dad might be 1,000 years old or look like it, but he still wants to hear that you love him. So to all the 1,000-year-old dads, I love you too. Take care, everybody. I will see you soon. Hey, remember, this Saturday and Sunday, October 1st and 2nd of the year 2022, I'm having a big half-price sale out at my store. You can come out and get some really cool stuff. Um, Until then, take care, everybody, and I'll see you soon. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.